This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. On this episode of Narcissist Apocalypse, we talk with an abuse survivor named Pink, and Pink was in a toxic relationship with a paranoid abuser. It's a story of validation, accusations, victim playing, and finding a new healthy normal. Welcome to Narcissist Apocalypse, everyone. This is a podcast that gives a voice to survivors of toxic relationships. I am Brandon Chadwick, but my friends call me Chad, and thanks for tuning in to this episode. So what is a narcissist, you may ask? Well, for the purposes of this podcast, we refer to a narcissist as anyone who has displayed a pattern of behavior that shows a limited capacity to appreciate others' perspectives. It is that simple. Now, if you have not been to our website recently and want to be a guest on our show, go to NarcissistApocalypse.com. Top of the page, there's a button that says Guest Form. Press that button, fill out the form, and we will go from there. But another way to be on our show is to be part of our Letters to My Narcissist compilation episode. And for that, you can also go to NarcissistApocalypse.com. You press a button on the side of the page. It says send voicemail. It records up to five minutes. You you want to record more than five minutes? Press it twice, three times, 15 minutes. Anyway, we are accumulating these letters for a volume six of that episode. So please send in those voicemails. And if you want me or my old pal, Melissa, to read your letter for you, please send us an email at NarcissistApocalypse at gmail.com and put letters to my narcissist in the subject line. And we also have a Patreon, everyone. Yes, we have a Patreon. If you want to support our show, go to our Patreon, become a patron. We have episodes that never made it to air, episodes with former guests, and much, much more. What is that much more? We have our own private forum, our support forum, and we have also on Wednesdays and Saturdays, you have access to our support group online through Zoom. I'm there. Others are there. We have longtime people that have been on there. We have newer people on there. You know, everyone is helpful. That's at patreon.com slash narcissist apocalypse. If you want to become a patron of our Patreon, do so today. And now before we get started with our episode, 
Um, we are running our own little giveaway. We're doing a, uh, we're giving away 10 $25 gift cards for filling out a survey to help us, uh, you know, out, find out who our demographic of our show is. So uh, I will put that in, uh, the, in the notes of this podcast of this episode. So please help us out by doing that. And we'll be doing the raffle or, or the giveaway part of it on September 1st. 2021. And now before we start our show, I first want to thank, um, you know, Pink for, for doing this. She did really well. And uh, we're actually, it was kind of two episodes in one. You'll only hear uh, this episode of it, but we actually did cover uh, her first marriage of war as well. It was a much shorter, and that's actually to be thrown up on the Patreon uh, this week. And I just want to Thank Pink for being part of the show, and now, without further ado, here is my episode with Pink. Welcome to Narcissist Apocalypse, everyone. With me today, I have Pink. How are you? Good. I'm good. How are you? I am good, and today we are going to hear your story, and you were in a relationship with two narcissists, and the first story is just going to be really the opening, you know, how you got out of that and and how you got into this current relationship with uh, the narcissist, and, you know, you went through a lot, and I'm happy that you are here to tell your story, because I know you're going to help a lot of people, so... Now, without further ado, Pink, the floor is now yours. Okay. Well, let me just start with a little back history about my family briefly. Uh, my parents divorced when I was six. Um, there's three of us. My brother was eight years older than me. My sister's four years. So I was the youngest. So I didn't see a lot of abuse. You know, I don't, you know, they, they told me a lot. I remember seeing my mom with a black eye, but I didn't actually see it happen. Um, so my dad was, um, I know this now, you know, my dad was a narcissist. Um, he had rages. Um, he would accuse us. I think he liked the idea of children without the responsibility kind of thing. Uh, you know, like he never came to our games cause he, he traveled, he was gone Monday through Friday and he worked all week and he was tired. You know, I'm not, you know, I can't, I can't make it to your game. You know, you know, I was a cheerleader. My sister was a cheerleader. Um, so, you know, there was that, and my mom always took him back. Like, my dad was married once before my mom, no kids there. She he married my mom, had the three kids. Like I said, divorced when I was six. Um, he married a younger woman quickly after the divorce. I'm pretty sure he left my mom for her, that's why. Um, that only lasted a couple of years. I know there was some abuse there. Um, then my mom took him back, which I now know was not the best role model for me to see that. <laughs> And, you know, they would break up. They never got remarried, but that was the thing. You know, dad would find someone else. They would break up, you know, blah, 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 back and forth, back and forth. Um, My my parents have since passed. My mom had her own. She was a codependent, which I'm pretty sure is where I got it. Um, She suffered with depression. So, you know, I'm not a stranger to mental illness. You know, she suffered with depression. Um. Didn't find out until I was an adult, you know, she, my dad would say, your mother's a drug addict. And I'm like, what? My mother, the going to church mother, what, what are you talking about? You know, um, she barely drank, you know, it's like, what are you talking about? But she would doctor hop, 
we all later found out. And so she had an addiction to, um, I guess, opioids back then, you know, back in the day that was easy to do, you know. So anyway, it was a very codependent relationship. So that kind of set me up <laughs> for my life. So I didn't have the best role models, you know. Um, but, you know, there was all good times. You know, we had a, a good life. My father worked very hard. Uh, we lived near a lake. We always had a big boat. You know, everyone from the outside looking in thought, oh, wow, look at your life. You're so lucky. You know, uh, we learned how to put the smile on. You know, we were always, oh, yeah, we're great. We're fine. Oh, yeah. You know what I mean? Like, you just put the, the smile on and keep going, you know, and that's because we didn't want anyone to know how dysfunctional <laughs> that house on the hill was. Anyway, um, I married when I was 24. It was my first marriage. Um, found out three months before the wedding that he had cheated on me. Um, so I married him anyway. <laughs> um, I, you know, there was no trust. There was no foundation for that. Um, but I was looking to get away from my family, you know, get away. You know, I was ready to get out on my own and I was kind of floundering. I went to several different colleges. I just couldn't figure out what I wanted to do. You know, I was just like, okay. You know, my dad said, well, you know, since you're at all these schools, you've got your MRS. I'm like, okay. So I got married. <laughs> um, we moved around a little bit. Um, I got my teaching degree, um, settled in uh, North Carolina for a, while, for a long time, actually. Um, I started teaching, you know, and then we started to try to have kids. I was, you know, in my mid-30s, and there were some infertility problems on his end, which... He didn't really accept, you know, like, and I, you know, I did not blame him in any way. You know, it was, this is it, you know, let's adopt, you know, let's foster, let's, you know, hey, why not? Um, he didn't take it very well. And he wanted to do all this in vitro. And I was like, um, he's like, I remember sitting in the office when we found out and the doctor, like he was not accept the, my ex-husband, my first ex-husband was not accepting it, like, you know we could do this and this. And the doctor's like, mm, no, anyway, he ended up having a surgery and that still didn't help. And I guess he thought strippers would help because he did a lot of that, um, which just brought up the insecurity again with me of the cheating. And there was never any trust on my end and I should have addressed that better. And I didn't. So I don't know. It was, it was just awful. So anyway, it just ended, you know, we were married 11 years by the time it was on all over. It was like 13 years. So I moved out. I was on my own. I had just started grad school. I was like, okay, I'm getting my life together. Uh, like my goal was to finish grad school and then move to where my sister lives, which is where I'm at now. <laughs> um, and that was my goal. Um, I met a guy through mutual friends. Um, long story short, got pregnant the very first time we were together. So I was like, yay. And oh my God, <laughs> all at the same time. Cause I just started grad school. Um, but I was so excited. I mean, I was like, this is what I've always wanted. You know, this is wonderful. Um, he had three kids. Um, so anyway, you know, we were working it out, you know, our first date together was with two of his kids and, I don't know. I had being a teacher, you know, you would think I'm used to being around kids, but it's like, I don't know. They just weren't very well behaved. And I don't know. It was just really uncomfortable and strange. And anytime I was around them, his ex was, it was a horrible divorce. Um, 
but me and my, you know, inherited codependency, you know, I can fix this, you know, I'm going to fix this. I'm going to fix this. And I think I was afraid of being alone. And like I said, I was pregnant and I was like, I wanted this to work. Well, four months in, I miscarried and, um, I should have just, I should have just ran, you know, I had no business questioning him, you know, oh, he always had a, you know, gaslighting, gaslighting. So anyway, whew. um, I ended up moving out in February of 17. Um, I finally found a cute little house, you know, a little town home. Uh, it was kind of like in a, I mean, it wasn't all retired people, but a lot of them, you know, so I felt very safe there. And I was surrounded by a lot of, you know, like retired couples. So they all took me in, you know, my neighbors, especially, they were amazing. Um, just being able to, to breathe again, you know, and it took a lot for me to leave because to have two failed marriages, you know, that I didn't want that. And it took a lot for me to leave. It took a lot for me to want to leave, to live alone. You know, I, I never really lived alone, alone, you know, for a long time. And so it took a lot. So for me to move, you know, and just finally say enough is enough. It took a lot, but I was feeling good. You know, I was running. Um, I was, I felt mentally um, in a good place. You know, I, I took my power back and I was getting to know myself again uh, my sister flew up, helped help me move in. You know, she was there for my closing. You know, I was like, oh, my first house by myself. You know, I got this. Um, well, about April, I moved in in February, about April, I met my neighbor's son. So he comes over, um, tells me he's separated. And, you know, later I find out he's like, yeah, I would go see my parents just waiting for you to pull in and blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, okay, whatever. Um, but he's like, yeah, you know, we should go out. And I'm like, okay. You know, he said he was separated. So I'm like, why not? So we go out. It's like a Saturday night. Um, I don't even call it a date. I call it a seduction. Like it was like, I don't know, like something out of a movie. Like it was just, everything was planned down to the T and dancing, dinner, you know, just everything was just, you know, amazing, just amazing. And I thought, well, you know, this is kind of nice. And so that was Saturday. And then he calls me on, I think the next Thursday or Friday that he's going back to his wife. And I'm like, oh, okay, of course you are. <laughs> you know, and it's like, again, I'm like, why do I keep attracting these men? <laughs> You know, it's like, what the heck? So I was really, I was, I was like, okay, fine, whatever, you know, just go. And I would run into them from time to time. His wife was so sweet, sweetest person I've probably ever met. So, and I, I should have put it together. Like, Hey, it's not her with the problem. It's you. Um, so anyway, um, my nephew had graduated um, boot camp and I had gone up to Chicago with my family and my why don't you try Tinder? Go on Tinder. And I'm like, isn't Tinder just like hookups? And she's like, no, 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 it's changed. You know, try it. Um, so I did. I came back home and this is like August, like right, school's getting ready to start again. Uh, so before we get to Tinder and, and this part of your journey and when you're about to meet the narcissist that the story is about, um, 
what is your mindset? Uh, how are you feeling about yourself? Um, or do you have beliefs? You know, you have this one belief of two failed marriages, um, you know, going into another relationship, you know, is, is failing, not an option. Oh yeah. Um, (laughs) so like what, what's your kind of mindset? Do you recognize that you might have these things going on that you might have a codependent personality or, uh, so just tell me a little bit about that. At that time, no, I did not. I literally just thought I made like a mistake, you know, like with my second husband, I just thought, okay, I just screwed up. I, you know, I ignored red flags, you know, and I should not have. But at that time, I know I did not think I was codependent. No, I did not think. And, you know, in the ex and I, <clears throat> we went to marriage counseling several times, but it, it, again, it would, he would, I see now you know, he put on the show for the counselor where I was real and I would get upset and cry and scream and look at this, look at what's happened, look what has been done. And, you know, and he would just sit there and so oh, I look like a crazy person, you know, I look, see, see how upset she gets. She just gets so upset. Oh, you know, everything was my fault. So no, I did not have that realization yet of being a codependent, being a fixer. No, I did not. And as far as, you know, attention, uh, self-esteem, were you someone that was looking for, you know, um, you know, looking to be seen for the first time or anything like that? I think validation was a big thing. Yeah, I know validation was a big thing for me. Yes. Um, Was I able to verbalize that? Probably not. But um, attention, yes. like I said, before my second ex-husband and I were married, I, you know, I got all kinds of validation. You know, my love language I knew at the time was words of affirmation. Words of affirmation, um, gifts were very important to me. But, you know, not the monetary, but, you know, like if you stopped and bought a flower, found a flower, you know, just any sort of a card. Thoughtfulness. Yes, thoughtfulness. And knowing me, you know, kind of thing, like. <laughs> this sounds awful and I sound like a total bitch when I say this, but like I remember when I graduated um grad school, you know, my father was already in an Alzheimer's home. Nobody came to my graduation except my husband at the time, or we weren't even married yet. Um and he's he hands me a book I wanted, you know, like I wanted Marley and Me. That's when Marley and Me came out and I wanted to read this book because I'm a huge animal lover, huge, you know, and he uh just hands it to me in like the Barnes and Noble wrapper. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, thanks. You know, there's two and a half years. Thanks for recognizing that. You know, like you couldn't even put it in a bag. You couldn't wrap it. You, you know, <laughs> here it is. I'm like, oh, thanks. So I know that sounds horrible, but it was like, could you have put forth a little more effort? You know, like I've worked very hard for this, you know. Anyway, but no, yeah, I wanted attention. Because after we were married, I I didn't get it. I didn't get those words of affirmation anymore. I didn't, you know what I mean? Like, I just, I was seeking that. Yes. Uh, I did not know. I was not aware I was seeking that. And what does validation mean to you specifically? Well, I guess with him, it was like just being seen, being not hidden, you know, I felt so hidden from his kids and 
you know, everything that happened to the house, he did it, you know, it wasn't me, you know, like just being able to feel a part of something, you know, and I think that stems back to my childhood, you know, like my dad wanted kids, but he didn't come to the game, you know, like he, my mom suffered with her depression. So she was in bed for days, you know, I just, I spent a lot of time alone or I wasn't recognized or, you know, dad wanted us to work hard, but he didn't really want to have anything to do with it. Oh, you're going to college. Here's a check, you know, go check yourself in. Like it wasn't the two parents showing up, helping you unpack. It was, here's your check, go on, (laughs) you know, kind of thing. So I don't know, I guess taking care of somebody having my back, that was a big thing. Like have my back, you know, somebody I could trust, rely on. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yep. Okay. So, um, so that August, you know, I, I go on and I'm swiping and, you know, and, and it's so hard because at the time I was, I had just turned 49 and I've always been told I look much younger than I do. Even today, people are like, you're 52. I'm like, yeah. Um, but, and I guess that was another thing I've always been told, you know, oh, well, you're so, you know, like when my ex in counseling, you know, well, what do you love about it? Well, she's beautiful. And it's like, I wanted to be seen more than just I'm beautiful, you know, it's, and it's hard for me to take compliments. So it's not like I believe I'm beautiful, you know, it's just that, I don't know. I just, I don't know. So anyway, I lowered the age range. I don't want anybody with kids, you know, and it's hard to find somebody my age that doesn't have kids who's like me. So, you know, I, you know, I lowered the little age range and well, lo and behold, what does, what pops up? And, uh, you know, and of course at the time I was flattered, like, oh my God, these guys are swiping on me, you know, these 35 year old people, you know, oh wow. So, (laughs) so we match up, talk for, I don't know, a few days. It may have been a week. I can't remember because I know school had started, um, and also during that time, the um, the married guy, the neighbor, kept kind of creeping around. Hey, you know, blah blah blah. I'm like, no, no. And I wanted I wanted somebody in my life, so I didn't go back to that. You know what I mean? Like, get a, leave me alone, leave me alone. And um, so anyway, I go over, and of course, you know, he's like, hey, you want to hang out? And I'm like, that's the new term, you know, hang out. I'm like. And I should not have gone, you know, looking back, I'm like, my God, I could have been murdered. But like, I go to this guy's place, you know, he lives about 30 minutes away. So I, you know, cruise on over. And um, I liked him more than I thought I would. I thought, okay, this is just going to be like a hookup. This is just going to be, you know, let me make out with this cute guy for a while, you know. (laughs) But I really liked him. Like, and they say, you know, oh, they mirror you. And I'm like, but he could how did he know anything about me? You know, like we talked about, um, he said he was all about peace and love and simple. And, you know, he lived in this little one bedroom apartment. I mean, it was a nice apartment, but it was, you know, like this one bedroom apartment. He was a substitute teacher. He didn't have a, you know, teaching job yet. Um, We both loved animals. We both didn't have kids. He had also lost a brother to suicide when he was much younger. Um, So we really, I mean, I say we bonded, but I bonded quickly. Like we just, we sat there and just talked for like hours. And 
he he said something that I'm like, how did you, how would you know that? Like, you know, we were talking about being single and how much, you know, how much food we waste being single and it's hard to cook for just one person. And, and then um, he said, and I've done this for years and I've said this for years, years, but he said, you know, like when I, if I have to throw food away, it's, you know, I think, well, you know, maybe some animals at the, at the landfill will get it. And I'm like, Oh my God, I think that too, you know, like, you know what I mean? I just thought, oh my God, I just, I really like this person. He just seems so amazing. And of course the physical attraction, you know, he was 15 years younger than me. And I was just like, wow, you know, like, <laughs> wow. Um, and it was the most powerful attraction I think I've ever felt in my life, you know, and he made me feel so beautiful and he was just so soft-spoken and kind and but funny, you know, like he, he could make me laugh and just cute and like, and he did, he kind of had this little boy act going on, you know, like, <laughs> I don't know, like, look, thinking back on that day, like, it was amazing. It was an amazing day. And, you know, like, we were sitting there and he's just like, oh my gosh, the sexual tension, you can cut it with a knife. And I'm like, you want to make out? And he's like, yeah. And, you know, like two teenagers on the couch making out you know and it was just like oh my god so uh he had planned to come and see me and I think I was at a workshop or something it was during the work days before school started and oh my anxiety is getting the better of me I I don't know if I can come over and I was like well do you want me to go there you know because I'm like I don't want to see you again you know and he's like yeah that'd be great you know and so then I like you know start looking around and like his car and his apartment, you know, I'm like, well, how do you, how do you pay your bill? And he's like, well, you know, um, I, I'm very lucky, you know, like I have a trust fund and, you know, he tells this story of his dad being this big CEO for this company. And, you know, he's now retired, but, you know, he has a trust fund and, but he's been taken advantage of, you know, he has all these trust issues because, he was taken advantage of because of his money. You know, like he never knew who was his friend. You know, he's had friends taken advantage of him, blah, blah, blah. Um, and I was like, oh, okay. You know, like, I, I don't care. I don't, trust me. After all the money I shelled out in a marriage, you know, it's like, I don't care. You know, that that's not what's important to me. You know, it's like who you are. So anyway, like we kept seeing each other. I would go over, you know, I would pack up on a weekend and go spend the weekend with him. But the more time I spent with him, like I could feel it. Like I could literally feel it. And, and I think growing up with a narcissistic father who raged, like we, I was very good at, we were all very good at, by the way he walked up the sidewalk to the house, like his dad in a good mood, his dad in a bad mood, you know, like we could tell like, cause that was the, the tone for the weekend, you know, when dad came home, like, Ooh, what, is, you know, what's going on? <laughs> so I felt like I'm very intuitive. So it's like, I could feel it with him. Like, mm, something's not right. Something's not right. You know, he was, I don't know, just very, I don't know. Something was wrong. I was waiting for the, the mask to come off, you know, now that I look back on it. Um, he kept asking me questions like, you know, do, do, do you know my parents? Do you know my parents? I'm like, no, I've, and he has a very unique last name. And I'm like, no, I've never heard of that last name before. No, I don't, I don't know who your parents are. I don't know. Um, and he kept, you know, just, you know, asking, asking, you know, these 
questions. And I don't know, I was over there one weekend and he started, this is when like he started cutting down everything I would do. You know, first I was the most beautiful thing. I'm so lucky to have you. I can't believe we met. We're so much alike, you know, oh my gosh. And I'm like, oh, really? I said, the 15-year age difference doesn't bother you? Oh, God, look at you. You're so gorgeous. You're so blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, well, what would your mother say? You know, oh, well, she'd probably just be so glad I found someone. And I'm like, yeah, right. You know, because I'm thinking if I was a mother and my son was seeing somebody, you know, I don't know. I just, I didn't really see it going anywhere, but little did I know how hooked I was becoming, you know, like I was, oh, it was just the craziest time. So let's discuss this. So at this point, you know, right off the bat, you are, you know, taking, you have great chemistry. Oh, yeah. And, you know, that's kind of getting you through to certainly saying all of the right things uh, early on, you know, in those first kind of dates and, and the chemistry is off the charts. And, you know, then you find out a little bit more about him. And, you know, he is a trust fund uh, person and he is playing the victim. So how much does the victim stuff play into it here? Do you feel bad at all Mm, for him? Or do you like, or are you just looking at him like, okay, well, at least he can pay for things. (laughs) Like, you know, (laughs) I don't care. You know, the, the other guy was taking advantage of me. Here's right. a guy that, you know, at least his money's coming from somewhere. It's not me. I don't yeah. feel that I'm going to be taken in that way. It feels safe, maybe. And then you also have the comfortability, even though it's an uncomfortable feeling, but it is a comfortability, that you you feel the same. It's, an, it's, it's a thing from your past. It's a feeling mm-hmm. that is not foreign to you, and you know it. So maybe you don't run away from it like you someone else might if they were to get that oh, yeah. kind it going on so what right. kind of play because because you're, you're having the issue in your head here of like you know it's wrong you're not not that you know it's wrong wrong but you right. know something's up and yeah. all these other things yeah. are very strong for you to be like i'm gonna kind of not pay attention to that you know the gut feeling that i'm having so what are all those combinations of things that are are overpowering oh i definitely felt like Oh, you poor rich kid, you know, or you, he was playing the victim. Everything, he was a victim of friendships, you know, blah, blah, blah. He was a loner. He just kind of stuck to himself. We never went out. So, yeah, he could pay for things, but he usually paid for delivery because he never, you know what I mean? Like, he didn't like going out. He didn't like the bars. Um, and he smoked a lot of pot. That was one thing. He was on Adderall, which as the more I listen to these podcasts, that seems to be a trend, you know, Adderall and pot some of these people. Um, But yes, I I felt very sorry for him. I felt very bonded to him. Like we would talk about our brothers, you know, he would say things like, oh, I think our brothers brought us together. You know, that's, you know, that's, we were meant to be together. Um, Yes, I very, I fell for that. Yeah. And I think, you know, like from my past relationships, I can say this now, I was prime Great A supply for him when I met him, you know, like everything I had been through had set me up <laughs> for this, or I had set myself up, you know, for this relationship and to fall for all his poor little boy acts, you know, what was me, 
Um, <clears throat> he had gone into business with an uncle up in another state where he had lived for a couple of years. And the uncle took advantage of him and took all his money. Um, so he was a victim there. He can't trust anybody. Um, you know, and he, like, he was just alone and I, he just said, I'm fine being alone, which I know now is bullshit. (laughs) He's blaming everyone else for things that went wrong here and not taking responsibility. And you haven't been able to put that together here yet either. No, not at all. No, I was believing everything he fed me, everything he fed me, I believe. Um, he even, like, one of the things that really got me, uh, you know, the love bombing, it was right around the time of the Vegas shootings. I'm not sure if you remember those. Oh, yeah. Uh, and there was a couple, and a, it was a lady who married a younger man, 15 years younger, but they were married, and um, he basically, you know, like, took a bullet for her and saved her, you know? And he would bring that up all the time. And I would do that for you. I love you so much. You know, I just, this is just, you know, blah, blah, blah. And like, I was, I was hooked. I was like, oh my God, this is the greatest thing ever. This young, hot guy. And honestly, the money, because like I said, he lived very simply. Like I, we never went anywhere. We never did anything. I, we just hung out at his place. We would go over to his parents because like his parents would go to the lake house or somewhere and we had to go take care of the dog and the cat. And, you know, so I felt kind of like a teenager again, you know, like, oh, here I am at the parents' house, you know, it was just, it was silly. It was crazy. And I look back, I'm like, I can grow up, but I've always been kind of immature. I mean, that's what I've been told, but I don't know. I just, well, I was well, having- it's, it's, it's not crazy to feel like a teenager because he's technically living a teenager's life. And yeah. now you're involved in it, even though he he's older, he's still living that kind of lifestyle, probably under the thumb of his parents a lot. Um, I don't know what. His oh, relationship, I believe that. Yeah, I, don't I know believe what, that now. Yeah, I yeah. don't know what his relationship was like with him, but I assume so. You know, because um, a lot of the times in those circumstances, when you are a trust fund uh, type person, you might actually like all of your, just like you kind of have to put up with your parents if they're the ones that are right. um, in the bill. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And he would say that, you know, his sister was a, like a school psychologist, you know, had a doctorate degree and he's like, you know, I'm just the joke. I'm just, I'm just the joke. I'm just this, I'm just, you know, Oh, look at me, you know, everyone makes fun of, you know, but it's like, I'm like, you want to be different. You know, now I can say that. You want to be different. You want to be the joke because that's how you keep people away. You know, like don't probe too close. So anyway, yeah. Yeah, he was definitely, yeah, playing the the, the victim victim. But the mask came off fairly early because um, <clears throat> like we met in August and like Labor Day weekend, I had plans to go to a concert with, uh, some parents of a kid I had taught and, you know, we had become friends and we were going to go see Green Day. And I was like, oh yeah, let's go, let's go. And so he's like, yeah, you're going to come over for the weekend. And I'm like, yeah, I said, I just have a concert Friday night, but I'll be over Saturday. Oh, well, uh, if you have a day, you know, I understand, you know, if you, if this was something you already had arranged and you have a date, like, I, I get it. Like, that's okay. And I'm like, no, I'm going with some parents of a kid I taught, like, you know, we're just, well, you know, you sure? And like, I was sending pictures the whole night, like, you know, look, here they are, here we are. Like, I didn't, 
I know now that was, that was the first of control, you know, the accusations, the control, blah, blah, blah. So anyway, I went over and I'm a big college football fan, um, especially of the state where I grew up and, you know, I'm like, Oh, I'll be over, you know, let's watch the game, you know, blah, blah, blah. And then it, you know, it started, you know, the, I'm, I'm like, Oh, well, what channel is it on? You know, or I, if I referred to the team, I'm like, Oh, what time are we playing? Or we, he goes, we, are you on the team? I'm like, no, but it's my team. It's, you know, we, you know, you say we, Oh, we won. Or, you know, I just like, what? So just little things. He started off little things, you know, picking at me. So, Oh, well, you know, you know, you love college football, huh? I bet you, you go out to bars all the time, right? With your friends. I'm like, Oh yeah, sometimes I'll hang out with my friends and we'll go watch a game or, you know, like everything I did started to be wrong. You know, you're popular, aren't you? You're really popular. Um, People, you know, your phone's always going off. People are always texting you. Um, One time I was over and my dentist was from my home state and was a big fan. And he had sent me, you know, like the little, the cheer, blah, blah, blah. And I was like, oh yeah. And he goes, who is that? I'm like, oh, it was my dentist. What? Your dentist? What's he doing texting you? Are you having an affair with him? I'm like, no, I've gone to watch the game with him and his wife before. Like we had had, actually we had had plans to go to a game together and that was the weekend my brother died a couple of years before. So it didn't work out. So anyway, we just, he was just a nice guy. I met his wife. His wife was, uh, ended up being my realtor. Um, so anyway, oh, he just, he, it's the optics. It's the optics. How do you think that looks? Does his wife know he's texting you? And I'm like, I don't know, but I'm sure she doesn't mind. It's not like that. He's my dentist. He's from my home state. What? We're friends. Like, what? you know what I mean? That was the beginning. That was the beginning. Um, oh, my God. So I think the big thing happened when the mask really came off. I was over. It was always me going over there. Always me going over there. Um, and I would, like, bring my dog because I shared custody of my dog with my ex. And, like, you know, if it was my weekend to have him, I would bring him over. And he was always so sweet to him. And he would walk him. And. Oh, he's so cute. And he would buy him like a bed and toys. I'm like, well, that's more than you've ever bought me, you know, because <laughs> he, no, he never bought me anything. Like if we ordered in, he would pay, but like, no, he, he was not one to want his money at all. Um, and I didn't care. I didn't, I didn't care about that. Um, but we had gone over and there was a game and he goes, well, you know, I got to go check on the dog and the, you know, the cat. And I'm like, okay. And, um, I think I had had like, it was in the afternoon. I had like one beer and he goes, well, you know, do you, cause I would always bring food to make because, you know, he ate like rice krispies and donuts. And I'm like, look, I'm not 35. I can't, I need some real food. You know, I can't eat this crap. So I would always bring things, you know, I had like a salad and I was going to make spaghetti. And, um, once you bring it over to, you know, mom and dad's and we'll make it over there and we'll just kind of spend the afternoon. We'll watch the game over there. I'm like, oh, okay. So I know I had like one beer before I left. go over there and he's not a big drinker like he doesn't really drink and he uh hey you want to you want a vodka drink I'm like sure you know why not and I can hold my liquor like I you know 
I come from a family, you know, we like to get together and holidays and, you know, I'm just, I'm not going to get sloshed off of one vodka drink and a beer, you know? Well, he had mixed the drink and we had gone outside and we're taking care of the cat and the dog. And I remember cooking dinner. (laughs) I remember making the spaghetti. And I do not remember anything after that. I don't remember eating. I don't remember driving back to his place because we always took my car because the way his apartment was like, you know, I would park in front of the garage. So we always took my car. But I woke up at the middle of the night. It was like three or four in the morning. And I thought, what the hell just happened? Like, (laughs) like I have no memory of eating. I have no memory getting back to the apartment, getting into bed. I had my pajamas on. I was like, what just happened? And I remember waking up and like yelling for him. Like, and he was out in the living room. He wasn't in bed. And I was like, what, what are you doing? I'm just out here. I don't want to be in there with you. I'm like, what, what happened? Like, oh my God, did what, did I get so drunk? I made it, what happened? Well, he starts screaming at me, screaming at me. Who is this guy? I'm like, I saw the picture. I'm like, what? What are you talking about? Well, he found a picture of me and the married guy on the date. You slept with him. Yup. I mean, just screaming at me, screaming at me. And I'm like, what difference does it make? It was before I met you. Like, what? Why are you screaming? Because you lied. You lied to me. And I'm at this point, I am like, I'm going to throw up. And at one point I said, I feel like I'm going to be sick. And it's like, he stopped screaming and he goes, oh my God, are you okay? Do you need some water? Like, I'm like, what? And it's like, and it wasn't until days later, I thought, did he drug me? Did he drug me? Like, I have no proof. I have no nothing. But I'm like, that was the weirdest experience of my life. Like, what just happened? So anyway, he's screaming and yelling at me and I, he's, I don't, I don't know. I guess it was like a defense thing. Like I felt like I had to lie. Like, no, no, it was nothing. It was nothing. No, because I'm thinking this guy's a married guy, his neighbors, I mean, my neighbors are his parents and like, I don't want to mess that up, blah, blah, blah. So anyway, this guy finally calms down and he, you know, and of course he's like, I'm sorry. I'm just so jealous. I'm so, in, you know, I'm so jealous. And like, that was another thing, like the insecurity, like I understood that. Like I, I got that, you know, like he's, and I guess the rage, like how my father would rage, like it was kind of normal for me. So it's like, I excused it, you know, like I understood that. Cause I think my father was very insecure. Um, he was a short guy. <laughs> this guy wasn't the tallest guy, but you know what I mean? I just, I don't know. He reminded me of my dad at times where I'm just like, you know, it's okay. You know, I, I, you know, like that was normal for me. It was normal because I grew up like that, you know, so it was normal for me. So anyway, I end up going home and he gets offended because I leave, but I'm like, at the same time, I'm feeling sick. I'm like, I gotta go. I gotta get out of here. And then he starts texting me. You know, I don't think this is going to work. We, you know, this is just, I can't do this. Um, There's two, you know, my trust issues, my trust. And I was like, okay, like, fine. And like, at that time I was it broke my heart for him to say that to me 
But at the same time, I was like, what the hell? So then I get home. It's like a Sunday. Later that afternoon, he starts texting me and he sent me a screenshot of a message he had typed out to the married guy's wife. He found her on Facebook. And <laughs> something about, oh, I think was cheating on me. I just thought you should know. And that's all it took. I mean, this poor woman, I'm sure her husband had cheated so many times. I know he did. That my phone rang and it was her. And I was like, oh shit, oh shit. And then crazy guy goes, oops. He goes, I didn't mean to send that. Like he typed it out like he was, he, but he hadn't said send. He just typed it out and screenshotted it. Like, here, look, look what I'm getting ready to do. And, but he did send it. He accidentally sent it or left the story he told. So anyway, and then Mary guy calls me at the same time. You've got to stop him. You've got to stop him. He, you can't, my parents, they'll never speak to you again. You know, and I'm like, oh my God, I'm going to lose this friendship of his parents. And I'm, you know, it was, it was the craziest thing. I'm just like, how did I get caught up in this? You know, like I went on one freaking date with you. And you know what I mean? It was just, it was crazy, crazy. But because I lied, you know, about going on the date, being with this guy, this guy, I mean, it was crazy. It was crazy. And he's like, you've got to stop him. You've got to stop him. And this was a couple months in. And uh, I'm just like trying to get, I don't, in the, the accusations he's throwing at me. He's telling me I'm in property scam because the married guy owns several of the properties in the community, like his in-laws place, his parents place, another place. And so crazy guy was convinced he owned my place and I was just being this slut, you know, letting him pay for my, I was like, and then that brought up issues with me because I'm like, nobody's ever paid for anything. I have gotten by on my own like this. No, 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 no. And especially after what I had just been through, forking over all this money. And it was like, no, 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 nobody pays my bills, you know, but he's insinuating these. So it's pissing me off and I'm getting mad and I'm just like, ah. <sighs> It was just the craziest thing. And so how long into the relationship is this part happening? Like two months. So this is two months into this relationship and he is accusing you of everything uh, with this one man who you went on one date with who um, really you have zero relationship with him. You actually really have a relationship with his parents, if anything. And so this is all happening two months in, you know, and you're still kind of around here. And are you uh, thinking to yourself, like, I have to leave? Or are you on your back foot trying to make everything better? I think that codependent, I can fix this because I'm hooked now. You know, I didn't know about the, you know, the love. You know what I mean? I was hooked. I was hooked. The trauma bond, you know, I was trying to get him back to that guy from that very first day, you know, those first few weeks where it was paradise. And, you know, I, that's where I was just like with my second year. like, I'm going to fix this. I'm going to fix this. And, you know, it's going to get better. That didn't happen. I'm going to make it where that didn't happen, (laughs) but it did. Um, 
So yeah, and this is basically how it went. Uh, my neighbors did get upset with me. Like they had had a key to my place and they gave it back. Like, I don't know what's going on, but we don't want to be a part of it. And then a few months later, they're like, oh, let's, let's, let's let it go. And, and, you know, they started talking to me again. And, you know, I just, that's basically how it went. It just, um, he would shut me out, which was a trigger. I know now he would block me from his phone and I would call leaving these messages, you know, please talk to me, just talk to me. Like I felt so alone because that was another thing about moving out, leaving my marriage, moving in by myself. I was alone. You know, my family, I had no family there in the state. I lived there 20 years. Um, my ex is the only person that I knew, um, you know, because we shared the dog. I had my friends. I had my school that I had been at for 20 years. That was my family. That was my life. I had no one else. And so, like, that's why I think that friendship with the neighbors meant so much to me because it was like, oh, these little parents, you know, here checking in on me, looking out for me. And uh, they, you know, they eventually came back around and, um, they did, we just never really talked about it. You know, we never talked about him. You know, they would notice I would be gone because, you know, I would go over the, it just kind of went this way. Like he would call me, Oh, you know, you want to hang out? Yeah. Yeah. And I'd go over. And then it was, I love you. I love you. Oh, I love you so much. And blah, blah, blah. And it just went back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. And also during this time, um, <clears throat> when all that was happening and the married guy was screaming at me, you know, gotta make it stop. I called crazy guy's mom. All right. Back down to her on Facebook, just like he did with the Mary, you know, I was like, well, two can play this game. I'll call your mom. So I called his mom and, um, she instantly called me. What's going on? You know, what's happening? And I just told her, I said, look, I said, he's accusing me of all these things. I think he's delusional. He's accusing me of being in property scams and being a con and knowing people in his life and just all these accusations. And he's now contacted this man I went on a date with, you know, all these things. And Oh, well, yeah. Well, he dated this one girl and he had told me about her. I think that was his one true love of his life, but he did the same thing to her. Um, and later on I had ended up contacting her. I was turned into a crazy person at this point. I was trying to make sense of what was happening. And she had told me, oh, yeah, like, yeah, I think they dated like maybe two years. Uh, they had lived together for a while. He reversed the doorknob on the bedroom door and trapped her in there. She had to call her parents to come and get her out. Um, he walked up to some guy in a bar and just punched him in the face just for talking to her. Um, all these, you know, all these things. And, you know, and the mom was just like, oh, but, you know, he would twist it and make it out to be my fault. You know, he, all she had to do was go back to him and him say, Oh no, this is this crazy old lady. You know, she's just, she's obsessed with me. She's crazy. She's, um, you know, all, you know, it was all, everything was my fault. Everything was my fault. But during this whole time, we still kept talking and seeing each other, talking and seeing each other. Um, you know, fighting, making up, fighting, making up. He would call me horrible things. I would call him horrible things. I mean, it, it just got crazy. Um, I had gotten teacher of the year at my school that year and, uh, he had texted, Hey, how's your day going? And I was like, Oh, I just found out I got teacher of the year. Oh, really? It's because you're sleeping with your principal. And I was like, it just like stabbed me in the heart. Like I had no, you know, I could text my sister and tell her, but it was like, I wanted to share this with you. And now you just ugh, cut me, just 
because it meant so much to me. You know, I'd been at this school for a long time. Like it meant, you know, my job was everything to me. I didn't have kids. This was, you know, a very important job to me. Um, I had my master's. I had my national boards. You know, I was just, I don't know. It just, nothing was off limits that he could not offend or accuse. Um, He accused me of making up my brother's death just to get close to him. You lied about how your brother died just to get close to me. You, uh, you know, just nothing was off limits. You know, your parents were terrible. They were terrible parents. You know, you you have had no good, they say they tell on themselves, you know. So now I'm looking at everything he would say to me. And it's like, I think that's how you were raised. You know, I think that's how, that's what happened to you. Those are the people that, you know, what you're accusing me of is what is actually what happened to you. You know, you're the con, you're the liar, you're the manipulator, you're, you know, all these things. Um, I mean, it just went on and on. Um, I would fly down to see my sister at Thanksgiving and Christmas. He would scream at me the entire way to the airport. You're sleeping with the pilot, you're blah, blah, blah. You know, and then he's like, oh, did you make it safe? And that's all it took, you know, like I, the, the, <laughs> the breadcrumbs he was giving me, you know, to keep me hooked. That's all it would take was him to show just, oh, did you make it all right? I'm glad you made it safe. You know, after just screaming and yelling at me and berating me for, you know, forever, accusing me, you know, name calling, all these things. So this went on and on and on. So, so all he had to do was show like one little bit of caring yeah. oh yeah uh on his part and it would suck you back in oh every time and i heard something the other day on tiktok somebody said um the bar was on the floor and you couldn't even reach that like i set the bar so low for him you know like it, it just any little thing you know him to say i love you was excused all of his behavior you know, for him to say he missed me was okay. You know, he came to see me a couple of times at my place. When, uh, when it comes to all the things he's accusing you of, you know, you know, we don't exactly know what disorder he has. Right. But of all the things he's accusing of, do you think he actually believed it? No, no. Because then that was that's the other thing in my head. I kept saying, he doesn't really mean that. He doesn't really mean that because when we were together, like, it was amazing. You know, it was, I love you so much. You're so beautiful. You're so, oh my God, I've never been with anybody. And in one of his rages one time, I tried to write down stuff that he had said. Um, You're the best sex I've ever had. And I'm rich. You know, like, what? Like, you know, but at the time I took it as this major compliment, but now I'm like, what the hell? What did you mean by that? Um, but yeah, no, I, I didn't. I made excuses for him. You know, he didn't really mean it. And in all this time, I'm not telling anybody, you know, um, I would tell just enough, like to my sister. And I couldn't really tell my sister everything because she worried, you know, like, especially after my brother died, you know. My sister, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not our brother, you know, I'm not going to do that. Even though this guy pushed me to places mentally, 
that I have never been. You know, it was, I was trying to make sense of what was happening to me. I was trying to, I felt like my whole life has been, I had the worst taste in men and it's just gotten worse. You know, like this guy made my ex look like an angel, you know? So in my heart and in my mind, I'm like, why did I leave him? You know, why did I walk out? Why did I, it wasn't that bad. It wasn't this bad, <laughs> you know? Um, but now I see things very differently. And so anyway, this went on and on for a long time. Me making excuses, you know, da, da, da. The times we saw each other got fewer and far between because he would, it was a game to him. Everything was a game. Um, yeah, you want to hang out? Yeah, okay, let me get my stuff. Because I always had to pack up. You know, I'm a coffee drinker. I would bring creamer and then he would throw it away when we would break up. And so, okay, well, let me get my stuff together. You know, like, it'd be easier if you came here. You know, I've, I've got to prepare for my cats and uh, all these. So anyway, I would start to pack up and get ready. I'm like, okay, I'm getting ready to head over. No, don't come. Don't come. Don't come now. Stay. I don't, no, no. You didn't, if I didn't answer the phone in time, um, don't, you know. Oh, well, I didn't answer the phone in time. So, oh, you're with someone else. You're with someone else. Don't come. And then I'm like, okay, fine. You know, by this time I'm getting fed up. I'm just exhausted. I'm exhausted mentally, physically, emotionally. Like this is when like my back started hurting. Like I swear it's like I was losing my mind. And then he would call an hour later. Well, are you, are you coming? I'm like, you just told me many times not to come. I've already unpacked. No, I'm not coming. Oh, I get it. You've already made other plans. Oh, blah, blah, blah. I'm just like, what the hell? Like, I, I couldn't do anything right. Nothing I did was right. Um, one time I went over for a long weekend. I took my cats. Um, these are the things he criticized. You know, I don't know how to feed my cats. Um, one of my cats got sick, and I had to spend like $800 for a blockage that he had that he ended up passing from anyway, which was another thing. He's screaming at me the whole time in the vet's office. Um, I couldn't run right. Like my, my, my running was not correct. Um, I could do anything. I couldn't do anything right. Nothing I did was right. Uh, to what I ate, to anything. It's like he starts criticizing, criticizing, criticizing. Uh, he's so lonely. He's so, you're so popular. You go out, you know, you go to these bars, you go to bars. I'm like, I went out to eat with my friends. You know, he went through all my stuff, by the way. Um, look at all these entries to Mojo's. Look at all these, look at all these entries. You go out to bars. I'm like, that was lunch with a friend. That was, you know, like, why, why are you looking at my checkbook? Like, you know, oh my God. And then some, somebody tried to hack into my, my bank account. And I'm pretty sure it was him because I got a call from the bank. I'm like, oh, I've got to change that password. Um, he would say, the only people that text me are my mom and my drug dealer. I'm like, oh, okay. Um, so it, it just went on and on all through 2018. I flew down to new Orleans for my 50th birthday, met my family, had a great time. Well, I wasn't invited. I'm like, you were invited. I did ask you to go. You wouldn't go. You know, he would block me. Anytime I went on a trip, he'd block me because he knew it upset me. He was trying to ruin everything. Anytime I went on a trip, let me ruin the trip by blocking her, making her feel insecure, make, you know making her feel terrible, any holiday, you know, never gave me any gifts, never, you know, we never did anything at all. Um, so finally, I'm like, my sister's like, oh, just get down here. 
not down here, get down here. I'm like, okay, all right. And I finally just made the decision. I was like, okay, I'm ready. I'm ready to go. Um, one of the things that really solidified it for me was I um, went to my eye doctor and I've gone to the same eye doctor for 20 years, you know, since I lived there and noticed he wasn't wearing his re- wedding ring. And, you know, I always thought he was kind of cute. And anyway, he ends up asking me out. We go out and he's from the same city where Crazy Pants is from. And he starts talking about his ex and all these things they're going through and how she played tennis. And I was like, wait, she plays tennis? Well, Crazy Pants' mom plays tennis. And I went home and I get on the internet and I Google and there's a picture of him arm in arm, arm in arm on a tennis court. And I'm like, oh shit, I can't get away from this guy. Like, you know, even this guy, who's a great guy, nice guy, knows your mom. Like, I'm just like, I'm done. There's no dateable men. I got to get out of here. And I was losing it. I was seriously losing my mind. Um, I was very lonely. Um, I had lost a friendship throughout all this um, that I had had for a long time. And looking back now, I'm like, well, she's kind of, you know, not to throw the narcissist word around too much, but it was like, if you didn't fit into her box, you know, you just, she didn't like that. You know, you had to fit into her box and me doing this with this guy and going back to him and making excuses for him and hanging on to this. Like she just had enough. And at the time it was very hurtful to me, but, you know, looking back on it, I'm like, that was not true friendship, you know? So I was just, my life, I just felt like my life was falling apart. I was losing my mind. I was losing myself. I I was so un- unhappy and miserable. And I was like, you know, I got, I want to be around my family. I want to be, I need my family, you know? And so I just made the decision and I went on and I applied and I put my house on the market. It sold in one day, you know, it all just happened. Everything just clicked. And I just kept, you know, praying, you know, God, if this is meant to be, show me. And so at this point, um, have you broken up with him? Uh, there really wasn't a breaking up because he would say things like, we've never been together. We're not together. We're not together. So it's you not know? like you at this point had to have any sort of conversation with him. No. You know, no. he's he's been stonewalling you a lot, oh, silent yeah. treatments oh. and all of those things. So oh, yeah. there's no justification for you to make him aware that you're leaving because that would probably just be a bad idea. Well, and he wouldn't believe it anyway. You know, okay. he never believed anything I said. And thank you for saying the stonewalling and silent treatment, because that's what X number two would do a lot. You know, he, the stone, and it, it's like the more you, you stonewall, it's like the higher I get, you know, and it's like, oh, it was so first, like, talk to me, you know, and it was this, like you say, that need of validation, that need of, so then this guy would do it and it just drove me crazy. You know, he would block me and I would just, you know, and I was still so hooked. I was, I just, I loved this guy and I was, I still felt sorry for him and I still had this tie to him. And, you know, I just, I was, I was, I turned into a crazy person. I really did. I was reaching out to anybody I could that I thought knew him, could make sense of this, shake him out of it. What's happening, you know? And so, so at this point, how far into your relationship are you now? Well, we met in August of 17 and I moved in June of 2019. 
Okay, so now, uh, you know, this has been a good amount of time that you've actually been together where technically he still doesn't think you're together in a way. No. Um, no, because we've got months without seeing each other. He'd shut me out. Okay, so you, so at a certain point you guys were going on and off. Yeah. And yeah. so now you're just, you got tired of the on and off, like, you know, the fighting, mm-hmm. everything was just like, okay, enough is enough. Uh, yeah. The only way to kind of get rid of all of this is really just to leave the state, you know, and so now you, so now you're, you're, you're going to like a whole new life. Right. And it drove me crazy being so close. I mean, even though it was like 30 minutes, but it was like, everything reminded me of him. You know, I couldn't even be in my own house. Like, well, he sat there, you know, well, this is where, you you know what I mean? It's just, he took a shower, you know, it just, I was heartbroken and I was it was horrible. It was just a horrible, horrible time in my life. I couldn't move on. And it's like, I know I had to move on. I had to move on. So anyway, it all worked out. So, so just to make, just point to everyone, point out to everyone that you went, when you went on the date with that man, yeah. uh, you guys were on, uh, you, you guys were on and off during that point. You weren't like yeah. in a full dating mode at that point. No. Okay. No, God, no, no, no. So that's why like, you know, it was like, it was almost comical, you know, like, of course your ex knows his mom, you know, I can't get away. So that's when I was like, okay, let's go. So I come down here, you know, I start, you know, moving alone is stressful. Starting a new school, a new grade level, you know, school is much, much bigger, you know, everything's bigger down here. Um, So I just, but it was, it was exciting. You know, I was with my sister and my niece and you know what? It was just, I was excited, you know, I was excited about it. Um, so make it through till this is January, 2020 and I'm in my classroom and you know, it's like, I'm not psychic. I'm not intuitive. I'm just, I, I just feel, I feel into, I just felt like something's going, something's happening. And he and I would text on and off through this whole time, you know, Hey, how you doing? He never believed I had moved. Oh, you're, you're, you really moved. You really, are you sure? I'm like, look it up. You looked everything else up about my life. You accused me of knowing all these people in my neighborhood. You know, he would ask these impossible questions. You know, do you know anybody who lives around here? Well, tell me who lives around here and I'll tell you if I know him. I don't, what do we want me to do? Go knocking on doors? Like just these impossible questions. So, Oh, you really did move. I'm like, yeah. Why did you do that? I mean, I, I don't know. They call it pain shopping. I just kept checking in on him, going back. You know, he had gotten a teaching position at a charter school. And he's like, well, my parents paid for it. I'm sure they, they donated money. And that's the only reason I got the job. I'm like, so what? People do it all the time. You know, good, good for you. You know, so he was working. And I just felt like something was coming. Something was happening. He was getting very dark and his, he would call me and just say these crazy things. And I'm like, who are you talking about? Who are you referring to? What does it matter? You know who I'm talking to. I mean, just these rants and these crazy, like whatever. So at, at one point I just said, I was in a better frame of mind. And I'm like, I don't want to listen to this. So I had blocked him. So his mother text me in January of 2020. Uh, is, is this the reason uh, you moved? Um, because what he was doing to you, he's now doing to me. 
And I'm like, <laughs> part of me was like, oh, now you believe me. Oh, now. Oh, really? It sucks, doesn't it? it sucks, doesn't it? I tried reaching out to you many times and you didn't want to hear it. You know, it's all me. Her, her stock answer, well, I didn't even know you two were still talking. Well, I didn't even know you two were, I was like, whatever. So, of course, and then I unblock him and I call him and I'm like, hey, what's going on? And he tells me this story where he had gone to get diagnosed, where he thinks he's schizophrenic, which to me, you know, being the codependent empath that I am, oh, well, that all makes sense now. You know, his delusions, his crazy talk, his accusation, you know, maybe you are. Well, I don't know. You know, it's just, long story short, I was hooked. I got hooked right back into it. You know, she, he had quit his job or taken a leave. He's taken a leave because he couldn't work. Uh, accusing all these people at work of doing these things, talking about him, out to get him. All these things of these people that he worked with. I'm like, what? <clears throat> so anyway, um, we have a different schedule here. So we got a week break in February. So I fly up to go see him. And his parents had since bought him a house, you know, nice, you know, a little dated, but it's a nice house. Um, so I'll go see him and we just fall right back into it. Oh, look at you. You came to see me. And like, he did not look the same. Like he had let his hair grow really long and his teeth were very stained from smoking. And like, he just, he did not look healthy. He did not look healthy at all. And so I'm there with him right back into it all you know oh, I love you so much I've missed you so much blah 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 and this was February and I had to and he tried to act like he was different you know like we went bowling we went out um he bought me gifts um my friend came over um to me like so this is the first person in my life that has met him you know like oh yeah oh okay yeah you know, like he acted different and, you know, and then I got mom on the other end, you know, oh, try to get him to go back to work, you know, try to get him to, you know, they want him functional so bad. <laughs> and um, so anyway, this goes on and, you know, I'm there for the whole week and I go and get my dog and bring him over and he's playing with the dog and, you know, I got to see my dog again and then, you know, I come back here and then it starts again, you know, some of the accusations, but then spring break comes along and I was going to go see him, but we had an aunt who was on hospice and my sister and I needed to go and, oh, he didn't like that, that I chose to go see my dying aunt versus him, but then COVID hit. So, you know, we couldn't go to school, you know, I could basically teach from everywhere, anywhere. So, um, I, I was there a lot. Like I would go and spend a week. Um, he made it very hard for me to teach. Um, I would be on a Zoom and he would, what? Get, get off. That, that, that's, not, that's not a real meeting. That's not a real meeting. Get off. That, 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 this is a joke. What are you putting on a show? You're putting on a show. I mean, just all, it's like, what the heck? Um, and I remember reaching out to his mom one time because like we were required to do all these 
you know, trainings and things like, you know, distance learning, you know, blah, blah, blah. And like, I'm trying to do that. And while he's over there acting crazy and I like text his mom who I've never met in person, I'm like, I, I need help. I said, he's not letting me work, you know, and I'm thinking, you know, I don't want to get in trouble. Like I'm trying to get this work done. Well, I don't know what to tell you. Um, all I can tell you to do is leave. Like, I'm like, what? Like, I'm thinking you're as crazy as he is. But, you know, he would do things like, like, I truly believe like, okay, yeah, this guy's schizophrenic. This explains everything. This explains everything to me now. Um, he would put tape over like lights, over outlets. Uh, one day I was there, he didn't eat anything because he thought all the food was poisoned. He, um, just the behavior is really bizarre. Just very bizarre behavior. Like, I remember one time in his apartment, he would put, like, uncooked macaroni underneath the mat by the door in case somebody came in and stepped on the mat. Like, it would make these crunching sounds. So, I mean, at the time, I was like, I thought it was funny. But now I'm like, well, now it may, it all makes sense. All this crazy behavior. You know, he always thought someone was out to get him. Someone's going to break in. <sighs> so this went on and on um, for a couple of months. The director of his school came over to his house when I was there. Don't answer it. Don't answer it. Don't answer the door. And I'm thinking, this is my one time to meet one single person in your life. Because I have never met anybody. Talk to his mom on the phone, text her. That's it. I have not met anyone in this person's life. So I'm like, I couldn't get to that door fast. Like, open the door. I'm like, hello. And very nice person. You know, hey, I'm just here to, to check on him. And, you know, how's he doing? And I'm like, well, come on in, you know, and, oh, we're opening a new school. I want you to come and see it. You know, I think, I think you'd really like it. And so I'm like, yeah, we'll, we'll go. When do you want us there? He's like, you know, how about Friday at nine? I'm like, sure, we'll be there. We'll be there. And he's like, oh, I don't want to go. You know, after the guy leaves, I don't want to, I don't want to go. No, I don't want to. Oh, uh, you would do that. Would you, would you come back and teach with me? Would you teach with me? Well, yeah. You know, of course I'm like, ugh. <laughs> Like, yeah, sure I will. And and I meant it, you know, like, I would love to do that. Like, you know, let's get you healthy. Let's get you fixed, you know? Sorry, how much money did his parents donate to this school? I don't know. Um, I went on their Facebook page during the time that he said, and um, I think it said like $100,000. They must have donated a lot of money for to put up with someone who does he did he even have a teaching degree of any sort what's his degree yeah yeah he did he okay. went back and yeah yeah so like to put up with someone like him continuously you know and even making a house call to see how he's doing yeah. you know yeah. they they must be very good friends of the school right right so anyway we go tour the school and you know it's really i mean it's just very i'm a big fan of ron clark you know it's like this is a you know who Ron Clark is? No. Okay, he's a big educator. Uh, and it just had a good vibe. And I was like, wow, this is great. You know, and then the director starts looking at me, you know. He's like, so what do you do? I'm like, oh, I'm a teacher too. You know, I've been a teacher for, you know, over 20 years. And I have my master's and my national board. Oh, well, we would love to have you. You know, like he was very interested in me, you know, you know, blah, blah, blah. So he takes my number and then like we go back and then, you know, Crazy Pants is like, I don't you think that was interesting. That isn't that in, everything was interesting, you know. Uh, that just seems strange because he was a PE teacher. Sorry, PE teacher. Not that that you know it's just as important as anything else. 
But he would always downplay that too. Like, well, I'm just a PE teacher. You know, it's not like I teach, you know, but you know, yeah, I'm just a PE teacher. I'm like, yeah, but you're, you're a great PE, you know, and the guy couldn't say enough good things about him, about what a great teacher he was, how much the kids loved him because he, he's two different people, you know, he's two totally different people. And, um, of course he's no, 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 that just seems weird. That why, why does he keep coming here? Why does he keep checking on me? Why does he keep texting me? I swear he texted me at like 4am one morning and I'm like, well, maybe he has odd sleeping hours. What does it matter? You know, um, just making all these excuses as to why he doesn't want to go back, why he can't do it. You know, all these people are out to get him. Um, I'm just like, I just don't believe that, you know, like it's two totally different stories. So this goes on and on. I would come one time I went up to see him and I literally stayed a day because it got so bad. Um, and before, you know, like when he and I first met and we would have all the, the fights and the arguments, you know, he would punch a hole in the door. Um, he had stairs to his apartment. Like right when he came in, there were stairs. He would take my bag, throw them down, broke a lot of my things. Um, he would try to stop me from leaving. And he, you know, he never hit me, but it was always grabbing, pushing, shoving, you know, kind of ping ponging down the stairs kind of thing. Um, he would grab me and like shake me, you know, like, just listen, just listen to me. And I just took it, you know, I was just like, okay. And so during this time, the same behavior started happening again. Um, punched a hole in the door, ripped his shirt off his body. Like just, just took it, just ripped it off his body. Um, grabbing me, pushing me, shoving me. And, I've learned so much about reactive abuse because so many times I acted out of character. Like I would just lose it and I would start screaming and I would just like, stop, just, just scream. Like I'm going to come out of my skin. I'm just, cause he wouldn't stop. It was relentless, relentless screaming, yelling, accusation, tearing me down, telling me all these things that I, that he thought I was, you know, and there's no defense. You cannot defend yourself. You cannot, you just can't. And um, so it was the same thing, you know, and he started talking because it was okay for him to sleep with whoever, you know, one time we were to go, well, yeah, well, I ended this relationship. And I was like, what do you mean? Well, I, yeah, I was with someone and I was, you know, that was all okay. And of course I, I was like, oh, okay, well, he just did it to get back at you. It's all right. You know, like I'm accepting all this. It's all okay. And he kept talking about this girl. And how she had some uh, antique gun and pointing this gun in his face. I'm like, why are you telling me this? I don't want to hear it. I don't want to hear about your time with her. Like, what are you talking about? And he just kept saying it. Oh, well, you know, I've, I've been through a lot. I've had guns pointed in my face. I've had, you know, I'm like, and he just kept saying it. I'm like, stop, stop saying it or I'm leaving. And then it was always my fault. Well, you know, we need to find a way to commute. This is what he would say we got to find a way to communicate. You know, we need to really um, find, you know, like, okay, well, let's take a time out. Like I'll go in one room, you go in the other, you know? And I told him, I said, I'm going in the other room. I'm going to go watch a movie on my computer. And he kept turning the Wi-Fi off. That's another reason I couldn't work. He'd keep turning the Wi-Fi off. And I was like, oh my, like, this is crazy, crazy behavior. It's like, 
he amped it up. Whatever I experienced before when I lived there was nothing compared to these two months. I mean, it was, I, I couldn't work. I couldn't, I couldn't do anything. I, it was, he would stand outside the bathroom door. Like, I'm like, can I just please go to the bathroom? Can you please just leave this for, oh yeah, you're in there. Yeah, you're looking at the neighbor. You're looking, you know anybody who lives around here? You know anybody who lives? I'm like, if you tell me who lives around here, I'll tell you if I know them. But you're asking an impossible question. Constant accusation, accusation. Oh yeah, when you went to get your dog, uh, yeah, you really went to get your dog, didn't you? Yeah, I bet you did. Yeah, I mean, just, oh, like I, I went over there and slept with somebody. I'm, I'm like, who do you think I am? And it's like, when they say they tell on themselves, you know, they're telling on themselves. So anyway, <laughs> he begged me to come back up for his birthday, which was the beginning of May of last year. And I said, look, I said, if I do this, if I come back up there and I spend the week with you and I'm there for your birthday, I said, you need to come here. You need to, never any effort for me. None, you know, I will, I promise, I swear to God, I swear to God, I will. Oh, thank you, thank you. So I'm there, and like, I do all these things for his birthday, all these things for his birthday, um, trying to make it special, because you could never do enough, right? You know, you could never do enough. It was never good enough, always an ulterior motive. I send his mom a picture of him blowing out his candles, and she goes, I knew you were there. And I'm like, oh, really? Okay. She goes, oh, okay. Um, I could tell she never really liked me. Like it was all my fault, you know, blah, blah, blah. Cause he's doing the smear campaign on me with them. You know, oh, she's crazy. I don't know why she's here. I never asked her to come see me later. I found out he's like, yeah, you just came to see me on my birthday to keep my family away from me. I'm like, you begged me. I ne that never happened. I never said that. That was always a big thing. Never happened. He never said that. Um, and I was true to my word. And it's like, I left. And it was like the day after his birthday. And he goes, why are you crying? I said, because I know this is the last time I'm ever going to see you. And why am I crying? Because this guy's crazy. <laughs> you know, like I'm looking back on it, like run. <sighs> so anyway, but it was, I was hooked all over again. I was hooked all over again. Um, it was a crazy year, you know, just with COVID and teaching. And this was my first year here. And it was just, ugh. so anyway, I just, when I came back, I thought, you know, I got to, I got to move on with my life. I have to start my life, you know? And he's like, please move back here. Please move back here. Like I even like contacted my old principal and he's like, oh yeah, we can find you. Yeah. Come back, come back. And I saw I was torn. I was torn, you know, cause he's like, why did you leave? Why did you leave? I want you, I need you back. I need you here. Blah, blah, blah. And I was just like, I don't, but then the craziness would happen again. You know, it was, it was this cycle of love bombing, devaluation, just, ugh. And I would reach out to his mom. And the last time I had talked to her, oh, well, you know, he invited us over and he apologized for the way he was. And, and his house was so clean. And I'm like, what? What? <laughs> okay, so now I'm the problem again. It's all me. You know, I'm the problem because I'm making you face what he's doing now to me because he doesn't have to do it to you. And so anyway, it was, there I was right back where I was to begin with. And so it's been a process, you know, this last year, just trying to, and, you know, I was still talking, I didn't, I didn't cut him off. 
you know, and they say, you've got to go 100%, no contact. You have to do that. And um, it's just been hard. It's been so hard. And, you know, they say the universe will keep sending you the same lesson over and over until you learn. You know, and I, I have truly believed that. In this last year, being alone, learning to be alone, accepting my responsibility, my past issues. Like, I mean, it's, it's a scary, lonely place. You know, I mean, you've, I've had to go back, you know, like to my parents. I've had to go back to the, those feelings, you know, of invalidation or to all of that. You know, my mom going back to my dad over and over, you know, I'm like, now I get it. I get why she did that. You know, it's brought so many things to light in me. You know, I've, I've gone, when I was in the other state, I went to a therapist, but he was not versed on a narcissism, narcissistic abuse. You know, he was all about, well, you're, you're trying to fill a bucket that will never be filled. And I'm like, well, yeah, yeah, that, that's what I'm doing. You know, I tried to focus. It just, it helped, but it wasn't exactly deep enough for me. You know, I found a therapist here and she was, whew, she, she was exactly what I needed. She was um, really good. Very expensive. Everything's more expensive here. Because uh, they are like, my insurance was a lot better and they paid for therapy. And here, you, you know, you got to pay out of pocket, but um She's like, well, you got to get out. <laughs> I'm like, I know, I know. And she's like, no, no, you, no, you, you got to get out. Like this, you can't keep doing this. Like you've got to, it's going to be hard. This is going to be a hard journey. You've got to grieve this. You've got to grieve the end of this. You've, you know what I mean? Like she was tough and that's what I needed. I needed her to be tough with me. And so that helped a lot. Um, and I'm telling you, like your podcast, TikTok, <laughs> I have loved, I have found a community on TikTok of people who are telling their stories that have, it helped me to realize, because I was so ashamed, so ashamed of how I let this happen to me. Like, who am I? At one point, my sister even said, you never would have taken that from this ex or that ex. I'm like, I know, I know. Why did I? You know, and I've been working through that and just getting rid of the shame. And I have one really, really good friend who has been through a lot of things in her life as well. And I think that's what makes her so full of grace, you know, because when you have been through something like this, it makes you a more non-judgmental person. And I have learned so much about myself, about others, about having grace. And being that person that somebody needs you to be, you know, when they need you, you know, because like I said, like my other friend, like she just turned her back, like, mm, I can't deal with this, too messy, too, blah, blah, blah. oh, okay. Not caring what other people think, you know, like three months into my second marriage, I should have left. I shouldn't have cared what anybody else thought. I shouldn't have cared how it made me look, you know, I, when somebody uses your deepest, fear against you. You can't recover from that. There's no, cause like, that's one thing I got out of my first therapist. He was, he's, he was that. Oh, yeah, that's a deal breaker. hundred percent. 
absolutely not. But I felt like, no, got to keep trying. Everybody's telling me, keep trying. You know, it's like, listen to your gut, follow your gut, you know, and listen to those, your intuition. And I just stop people pleasing, you know? So when it comes to you, all of the things you recognize that were exploited, that were specific to you and in this person and, you know, kind of you guys being a, a, a perfect fit or, you know, as they say, the human magnet syndrome, you are the right exact person for, for, you know, how they were going to, um, exploit your vulnerabilities in your security fence. Yeah. So when you look at all those things that you've, you know, worked on to feel less shame about because you now understand them, you know, going forward as far as having this to never happen again and in learning from it mm-hmm. and learning from your whole entire history growing up, uh, I guess what kind of values uh, are you putting in place uh, as far as, you know, non-negotiables um, mm-hmm. and, you know, for other people who are listening, you know, having a good value system going forward is, you know, I forget what the, the saying is like, uh, fool me once, shame on you, fool me. Right. Uh, so fool, fool me once, shame on you, fool me twice, like shame on me. So kind of going with, with that thing, like, let's say, you know, something happens once that's okay Two now a right. pattern is formed. I'm gone. So what are those types of things where two I'm gone type of things for you? Oh boy. Well, you know, it's so hard for me to even think about it because well, I mean, it's not, but it's, I don't, I've got to heal myself. Mm-hmm. Now I'm still in that process of self-love and being alone. You know, I need, I need to just be able to sit with this and get myself to that place. And I feel like I am, but it's like just boundaries, setting those boundaries. And if, and if somebody breaks them, then believe them, believe them. When they show you who they are, believe them. When that mask comes off, run, listening to your gut. I mean, so many times I went against it, but I was so used to going against it. It was normal for me, you know, and I have to find that that new, healthy, normal. I have to break that. You know, I have to break those, you know, those trauma bonds. You know, I want to feel like, and this was a conversation I had to have with my sister, and I feel like I'm moving in the right direction because they're doing like a reunion of our high school and of several years and da-da-da, and she's on the committee, and she wants me to go, and the way... My brother died. He died, you know, this is where he committed suicide and the police handled it very badly. It's a very small town. Um, we never got a police report. We got the runaround, never recovered his wallet or, you know, just the reports we heard, you know, like his body was laying out there and people were having lunch on their cars. It was just horrible. And I told my sister, I said, I'm never going back there. I will go to the lake where we, you know, lived. I will do this, but I'm not going back there. And then talk of the reunion came up. I was like, I'm not going. I'm not going. Well, maybe you'll feel different. Uh -uh." And I had to have this talk with her. I had to say, this is my boundary. I am not going. Because I have been told my whole life 
well, just, you know, well, no. And she understood then. She's like, okay, I get it. You know, it's like even with her, who she is a phenomenal person, wonderful person, wonderful wife, mother. She's been married 35 years, rock of the family, you know. But until you've gone through something like this, you don't get it, you know. And I know her and I had the same upbringing, but, you know, she's four years older. She saw things and I saw, you know, it was just different. But just setting boundaries for myself, um, self-love, self-respect, um, somebody who is not going to lie to me, who's not, you know, just respecting my boundaries. That's the biggest thing right now with me is respecting my boundaries, you know, whatever, setting my boundaries, figuring out what my boundaries are and setting them. <laughs> you know, I, um, I'm just not interested Right now, I'm too, it was too much right now. So, and I, you know, I'm still that hopeless romantic. I'm still that, everybody wants that, you know, everybody wants that relationship where you can just, I just want to feel safe. You know, I want somebody who I can completely be honest with and tell this story to them eventually, of course, not right, you know. And just not feel the shame, not be shamed, you know, and just just to feel safe, you know. And for everyone else uh, who is listening right now, what words of wisdom or advice do you have for them? Um, just trust your gut. Trust your gut. If you are a codependent, um, just you cannot fix anybody. Um, you know, one of the things I heard recently, which, cause you know, I listen to your podcast and I listen to a lot of your stories and a lot of women have had it so much worse. I didn't have kids with this guy. I wasn't married to this guy. I mean, the tie was just as strong. You know, the bond, the trauma bonds were just as bad. The abuse was horrible, but I've listened to some really, really, you know, tough cases and it's sad. And I, I'm like, Oh, thank goodness. I'm not in that. You know, thank, thank goodness. I didn't have kids with this guy. Thank goodness. I wasn't married to this guy. Um, but there was a quote by a detective, Lieutenant Joe Kenda. And he said, if they verbally abuse you, they will hit you. And if they hit you, they will kill you. And it's like, I was one of the lucky ones, you know, I'm one of the lucky ones. I got out. You know, yes, I took my, I took some pushing, I took some shoving, I took some major abuse, but I, I'm, I'm out, I'm not in it. And you just have to, you got to take it seriously. It's abuse. And it's, you know, a lot of people get pushed to the point where they don't recover from it. You know, there's a lot of, like listening to some of the stories of the women on this podcast, it's, uh, it's heartbreaking. It's heartbreaking what they've been through, what they've gone through with their children. And um, just trust your gut and just get out. Well, Pink, I want to thank you for being on the show today, sharing your story with us. You did a great job. And, you know, you 
have been through a lot your whole entire life, you know, so you're, you're kind of in this reset mode and I, you know, hope the, the best for you, everyone does on, on getting to where you want to be and being that hopeless romantic again. Um, and we're with you and thank you so much for being here with me today. Thank you. Thank you for your podcast. And now for everyone else who is listening from pink and I, I hope, or we hope you have a good night.